0: Welcome back to the courtroom of current events here on Peter's Proffer, and today we're going to talk about squatters' rights and what their rights are in Florida and how they can take possession of properties that are not their own. That actually is possible in Florida, which is kind of crazy. Uh, We're going to get into that today, and we're also going to talk a little bit about the eviction process and how you can trespass somebody. So we've gotten a lot of questions on these topics, and today we're going to dig into them. Thanks so much for listening in with us. If you feel so inclined, go leave us a review. Um, Leave us a rating on iTunes or SoundCloud or however you listen to this. And if you have any questions you want us to hit on, you can find us on all social media outlets at Tragos Law, or you can send us an email, petertragos at greeklaw.com. All right, so Pete, we're here today to talk about squatters' rights. And there aren't really specific technical squatters' rights in Florida like some states have, but there are ways that trespassers can take uh, possession of someone else's property. So that's kind of what we're going to talk about today and how you can stop that and how you can force them out and what processes that um, that means so we're going to start out by defining what a trespasser is versus what a what a squatter is. So why don't you tell everybody what a trespasser is technically?
1: Technically a trespasser is someone that comes onto your property but does not have to have your permission to be there. Versus a squatter who is technically a trespasser but then stays long enough that they're they're actually openly obviously and notoriously on your property.
0: Okay, so basically the difference between a trespasser and a squatter is a trespasser is hiding and doesn't want the person that owns the property to know that they're there most of the time or they wander onto the property. Um, a squatter is somebody that's on a property, wants everybody to know, and wants everybody to think it's actually their property. That's kind of the difference between a trespasser and a squatter. Um, so first, let's talk about trespassing somebody. So a trespasser is a noun, but you can also trespass somebody as a verb. So how do you trespass somebody that you have on your property that you don't want to be there?
1: What you do is something called a trespass warning. And it's not a very complicated process. What you normally do is you contact law enforcement and you advise them that you've got somebody on your property that's being disruptive that you don't want there. Whatever your reason is, as long as it's legitimate. And law enforcement will send a police officer out there and they will give that person a a written warning. And it will say, you have been trespassed from this property. If you should return, you are subject to, to prosecution and arrest. And then it's in the system and if this person
0: comes back, you just call law enforcement and they come and arrest this person. So basically the first time someone comes on your property uh, unwanted, they don't get arrested for trespassing. Yeah, the first time's a freebie. And then, but, but there's actual documentation of that person's name and the property location that they're at that they're not supposed to be. And if they come back a second time, that's when they can get arrested for a misdemeanor trespass. Correct. Right. So um, that's kind of how the trespass prop uh, process works, and mostly that's at businesses or houses where somebody you don't want there, you call the cops on them so they don't come back. That's usually how trespassers are dealt with, uh, which are very different than squatters. So when, when we first talk about squatters, um, and I have it out of order here, we'll talk about eviction more at the end, but when we're talking about squatters and how they can actually take possession of property that's not theirs... The law in Florida is adverse possession. So there's a bunch of elements in this law or in this rule of adverse possession that a squatter can do in order to take possession of that property. Um, now, th- this rule that makes it all possible, it doesn't really make sense because I don't, I don't think anybody should ever be able to just take property of something because they're illegally using it for a certain amount of time. But this rule is in place that allows people to check these boxes in order to take this property legally. Um, And the first one is they actually have to take possession of the property. So if it's an abandoned house or an abandoned building, they have to actually go move in and take possession. Um, But they have to do it for a certain amount of time. Yeah, the Florida
1: statute requires you to be in adverse possession for seven years before you can make a claim.
0: And it actually has to be continuous. So it has to be seven continuous years. You can't come there for three years, leave and go live somewhere else for two years and come back for four more years. It has to be seven straight years, and it's also got to be exclusive, so exclusively yours. Me and Pete can't do this together, where my family lives there for two years, then his family lives there for two years, then mine for three years, and then we call adverse possession together. It's got to be just you or your family continuously for seven straight years, exclusively your family. And then it's got to be open and obvious. What does that mean?
1: What it means is you're not hiding from it. You want everyone in the community to know that you are actually there and you're in possession of the
0: property. Just like you are with your house, you want if you adversely possess this house, you want everybody to know that's where Johnny lives or that's where Peter lives. So the community will look at that piece of property as yours. That's what open and obvious means. And then it's also got to be hostile possession, which means you can't be renting this house. You can't ask the owner like I can't ask Pete if he's going to be in Greece for seven years I can't say hey can I stay at your house while you're gone and him say yes and then me adversely possess that because he's letting me stay there he knows it's his house and he's letting me stay there so it's not hostile it's got to be um, against the owner's wishes whether or not the owner knows but it's got to be not something that the owner agrees to in order for it to be adverse possession it has to be a hostile takeover or hostile possession of that property um Okay, and then to make it more complicated, there's something called color of title. But we're just kind of we'll tell you some more ways or more things squatters have to do to take possession of these property. Uh, they also have to be cultivating or improving the property. They have to be protecting it uh, with substantial enclosures such as fences or walls or things like that, or using the land for supply needs. So basically, that that means they have to you know continue to cut the grass, plant. Um, uh, trees and and bushes and, you know, take care of it as if it was their own house, not just totally abandon it and let it grow and be disgusting so it looks like nobody lives there. They have to actually take possession, take ownership, make the house better and even put, put a fence around it. So it's showing the world a fence is a really good key and sign that this is my property and here's where it starts and here's where it ends because you have a fence on that quote unquote property line that you're saying is yours. Um, and, and then also there's you can skip some steps if you pay property taxes every year, even if you don't if you're uh, squatting in the house, you can still pay property taxes, pay the liens that are on the house and things like that to show this is my house. You're letting the government now know that I am paying the liens. I'm paying the taxes on this house because this is my house. The, the point of this rule is to say you're giving the owner every opportunity to come back in here and say, no, this is not this person's property, this is my property, because if you're if the owner's not paying the taxes, not paying the liens, not paying anything on the house, and this squatter is, well, then there's an argument, a public policy argument, that it's better for you know the state and the government to have this squatter in the house if they're going to at least pay the taxes because the owner's not paying the taxes. They've totally abandoned the house. Um, so those are all things that a squatter will have to do in order to take adverse possession. And just to kind of hit them again, it's continuous and exclusive ownership for, uh, for seven years. You have to actually take possession of it, and it's got to be hostile possession, meaning you don't, meaning you don't have permission. It's got to be open and obvious so everybody looking around knows that's your property. Um, you got to put up fences, you got to take care of the property, and then even pay taxes on the property. Um, and then after that's done, what can you do, Pete, to legally take ownership of the property?
1: Assuming the squatter, what you can do is after the seven years have, have commenced, what you can do is file something called a return of real property in attempt to establish your possession. So you basically file a court uh, pleading and you ask a judge in the jurisdiction of wherever the property is to make a determination that you are now the rightful owner.
0: And at that point, if you do own a piece of property that a squatter is there, this should put you on notice that you can come and have the judge determine whether it's should be your property, or whether it should be the squatter's property, legally speaking, if you've done nothing for the seven years while they have taken adverse possession of your property. So if you're trying to get rid of a squatter at that point, you file... Go ahead. Yeah, we're say
1: you file a removal action.
0: Right. And you, you can fight each one of those elements of adverse possession, meaning, did they take six months off from the house? If so, it wasn't continuous. Did they uh, share it with another family? If so, it wasn't uh, Exclusive. Did you tell them they could use that property for the first year and then forget about it? It still was not hostile. So you can fight each one of those elements as the legal property owner to try to say that these squatters did not do everything that they were supposed to do um, in order to take adverse possession of this property. And then there's also obviously the eviction process. So how does the eviction process work into this? Um,
1: Eviction is the process by which you legally take possession of property that is technically yours anyway. Most of the time we talk about eviction when it comes to landlord-tenant law. Right. And the elements are really the same. What you've got to do is you've got to provide written notice. If it's for non-payment of rent, for example, which is the vast majority of evictions, you've got to give a three-day notice. If it's for something else like... Um, they're doing something on the property you don't like. They're selling drugs or, you know, there's a lot of ruckus and the neighbors are complaining. Then you've got to give them a seven-day notice. But regardless, you just have to give notice. Once the notice is done, uh, you can then file, once the notice expired, I mean, you then file a, uh, a, a an eviction notice so you want the writ of possession. You go to court. Uh, the court normally will set a hearing and the two parties show up. The judge listens, and if the judge determines that, A, the rent hasn't been paid timely, or yes, there is a, you know, the guy's selling drugs or there's something nefarious going on on the property, the court grants the eviction. This is where it gets interesting. After the court actually grants the eviction at the hearing, they will give you a writ of possession, and that piece of paper actually goes to the sheriff's office, and once the sheriff gets it, you got 24 hours to clear out. If the tenant does not leave in 24 hours in the state of Florida, the sheriff will go over there and you'll basically, I don't want to say kick in the door because that's not what we do. You use your master key, you open it up, and you can either take all their stuff and throw it on the sidewalk. But I'm not sure in all circumstances if you have to throw their things out because there are some cases where you may actually be in a a position to to keep whatever fixtures are in the premises. For example, if it's commercial, they put in a bunch of, it's a restaurant, they put in a bunch of hoods and grills and other things that are attached. You don't have to take all that stuff out. You can take possession of your property with their stuff.
0: Right. And how this can work into adverse possession is if and obviously if you own one house that you're renting out, this isn't going to happen to you. But to some people that are, you know, have a bunch of properties and are evicting people every day of the week, multiple people every day, sometimes what will happen is they'll get an eviction notice. They'll send it. They'll tell them they have to get evicted, but they'll never kick them out with the sheriff and they will just stay in that property now adversely as a squatter. And they can try to push that as long as they can. Now, you'd think that would never happen for seven years, but actually sometimes it does because things can fall through the cracks. And if somebody is there um, trespassing because they got evicted, it would have to be seven years from the eviction, not counting the time they were renting the property, but that they can sometimes try to, you know, squat and take adverse possession of that property, which is why it is so important to get the sheriff involved, to get the people out and not to waste time. I mean, seven years is a long time, but, but it can slip through the cracks. What else is kind of interesting on on these types of rights and not necessarily squatters, but adverse possessions is sometimes it even happens inadvertently by neighbors. Um, there, there's always a law school case, and I've actually, I've actually seen a case in real life where it's happened with a wall that had to be taken down eventually years into the issue, but where either a fence or a wall is built you know, three feet onto the neighbor's property. That's open and obvious because the neighbor built the fence there. They took possession of it. Everybody thinks it's part of their backyard and they can actually satisfy the elements of adverse possession of those three feet of property, which can then make the one neighbor's house much more valuable and the other much less.
1: Yeah, and the truth is that's the vast majority of the adverse possession that happens uh, in, in Florida. I think this law was set up at some point for all the big farmland here in Florida. If somebody were to abandon it and and walk away, some other family could come, you know, cultivate those fields and and reap those crops. And after seven years, it was theirs. Today, you basically see, like you're saying, a fence got moved inadvertently over the course of years. A boat lift was somebody's using somebody else's boat lift for seven straight years and nobody said anything.
0: The courts do everything they can to not let squatters keep your house, no matter how long they've been there, if you want them out.
1: But, you know, the real big thing is, and most of the time it's not a big deal, where it becomes an issue is if you have, for example, a devastating event like a fire and a property uh, gets burned down. And if you have that adverse possession issue, your lot technically may be too small to rebuild the property. Then that's when you kind of see it become an issue when the neighbor put their fence over two feet.
0: We actually had one case when I first started here that uh, there was a neighborhood or a couple neighborhoods of houses that had a bunch of abandoned foreclosed houses on when the uh, real estate, right after the real estate crash. And this guy had gone around in these houses, had put, uh, four rent signs in the yards and the owners had all moved out to other properties because they were going through the foreclosure process. They weren't making payments anymore and they just abandoned these houses and they were nice houses, some of them. Um, and this guy would put these four rent signs in the yard and other families, not knowing, would call the number, set up a rent plan with this guy, pay this guy $2,000 a month to rent this big house, and which was you know, $1,000 under market value. So they thought they were getting a great deal. They'd sign a two-year lease. They'd pay this guy $2,000 a month. But then our client, who owned one of the houses, ends up coming up and saying, hey, this is my house. What are you guys doing here? Thinking they're squatters. They're like, no, we pay rent. The owner's like, you don't pay rent. And it turned out that this guy was perpetrating a fraud, going through saying he owned all these houses, collecting rent money, because they had been abandoned. And he was trying to take possession of these houses to start this string of of rental houses, because people had abandoned their houses for so long. I mean, this type of stuff actually does happen. And it is crazy how ballsy people can be going onto somebody else's property saying it's mine. I mean, it, it is crazy. And there are laws out here that potentially give trespassers rights to take over these pieces of property. So I guess the lesson is uh, don't wait, don't procrastinate. If you have somebody squatting on your property or somebody you want to trespass, make sure you you take the legal steps to to secure your property and your property rights as the owner legally of that property. All right, so that's all we have today. Thanks for listening in. And as always, if you have any questions or any topics you want us to hear, uh, feel free to send them to us however you know how. Thanks a lot.